welcome to this Property Life podcast. I'm Caroline Claydon and I'm a property investor and trainer and each week my friends and I will be speaking to a very special guest about their adventures in property. This week I am talking to husband and wife team Nee and Elizabeth. Nee decided to take the plunge and go full time into property before he'd even bought one uh, after his banking contract ended back in February 2018. With a healthy contract daily rate to replace, it's clear they didn't shy away from pressure and they were committed to making property their main source of income. Nee and Elizabeth discuss how they overcame their mental block of using angel investors in their business, leading to them raising over £400,000 in private money in three years. They demonstrate beautifully how a husband and wife team can pull together to achieve their goals of creating choices for their children's futures. I know you're going to love this episode, so let's now hear from Nee and Elizabeth. So today we are joined by Nee and Elizabeth, who have been full-time in property from the very first day they decided to do it, um, back in January 2018, or Nee has been full-time anyway, with Elizabeth supporting. So thank you very much for joining us today. How are you doing? You well? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Good, good. So Nee, you took the massive, bold step of just not going back to corporate land uh, in your banking contracts and just decided I'm going full-time in property. That must have been a massive decision to make as a family, as a unit. H- how did you get to that point to just go cold turkey straight in? Uh, well, I guess we can give a significant, a significant chunk of the credit to you. It meant you did a fantastic job at the, at the training, <laughs> the three-day basic training. Because we did that in January and like February when my final contract uh, was coming to an end, it was at that point we made the decision. Of course, it was scary. Um, it was done with a lot of uh, trepidation, shall we say, but our minds had been opened and we had been really inspired by, by the session we, we had with you. So I think that made the decision a bit easier. No less scary, but... It just it enabled us to really believe that it was possible and we could make the success of this. I mean, to just give the listeners a bit of a uh, a background, you had a very well paid contract banking role. Um, you have high expenses. You have a very nice lifestyle. You too, <laughs> and so to you know to to basically just say, right, I'm, I'm not going to take that uh, revenue from, from that job and just go into property. You must have some, some serious self-belief, which I massively respect. And lots of people would, would be too scared to make that, that jump. So hats, hats off to you. So what was the main strategy that got you, got you started um, at the very beginning? Yes. So the main strategy was vitalized uh, because the concept of passive income, I think, really resonated much with us that okay if we're able to scale within a short period of time and actually replace all of our income that way it means uh, neither of us would have to work again and uh, we could leave up property i could go on to do the many um uh well the many interesting things that um that we wanted to do outside of work so so yeah we thought we'll, we'll focus on, on details uh, we looked at other strategies as well as time went on 
and uh, we got additional training. Awesome. All right. So you've done a lot of deals since you started, 15, 15 to 17 deals since you, you started. And there's a combination of buy to lets in there, flips in there, conversions is your is your is your niche strategy. Talk me through how you evolve from buy to lets, flips into these conversions where you're adding big value to to the properties. Yeah, so, so I think, um, like me said, the, the original start was the buy to let. So that's where we started from. Then I think, was it um, sort of the January 2019 or something, then we, we stumbled upon a property and Nia had a look and said, oh, the space is quite big and, you know, there's a lot of dead space being used. And we're like, oh, we can actually, you know, convert this into a two beds. Um, and, you know, then you got the architect in to have a look at that. And that just, I think that for us unlocked our minds as to actually how you, you know, we've heard it on the training, but actually how you go into a space and then you can see the potential, not just the space as it's currently been used, but what you can actually use it for to get more value out of that property. And that for us was a bit of a game changer because on that on that deal, we, we ended up selling that, we flipped it, um, but the, the return from it was was really good. Um, and then we've sort of gone on from that and I've done other conversions and just in the process of purchasing another one, which will be our first two to three bed conversion. Yeah, so that's been quite good. And then the flips have come along as well that we got um, a JV partner supporting us on that on that front. So we shared the risk and we shared the return as well. Um, and that's been quite massive. Nice. So when you um, first started, uh, the big mental block was about money and it's everyone's mental block, right? I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to find angel investors everyone talks about. Uh, talk us through how the angel money process has worked for you. Yeah, when we, when we, after the training, you know, after the buzz of the training, um, <laughs> we're faced with reality and I think even just getting past the idea of actually asking someone for money. Yeah. That, that was a <laughs> that was a major that was a major hurdle um for us. And even when we did, it was almost well, uh, just are you going to we didn't have the confidence and the belief to really show people that it can actually make you money. Mm. Like we've been told, and um, then we started with okay, yeah, we do invest ten thousand pounds with us, and it spoke with different people, family members, um, friends, colleagues, and I think now it's been a journey because over the past three years, um, we've moved from you know going to ask people. And people actually reaching out uh, to us to wanting to invest with us. So it's been, incredible. It's been an incredible journey. So, how much angel money roughly do you think you've uh, raised over the last three years or so? I think we were sort of around the ballpark of four hundred. Um, and I should also mention, like the first property that we got, we actually ended up 
fully financing it with Angel. I remember yeah. where we picked up the keys and I was just so excited. <laughs> like, oh, can you imagine that we bought this not with our money? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was, um, it was quite really good. <laughs> yeah, and I think that first experience was, uh, again, was a big motivation um, for us because he made it real that, mm-hmm. okay, this actually works. Yeah. Said, this can actually happen. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, it gave us a lot of motivation for for the other things that we've been able to do um, after that. It's, it's it's incredible that you can you know go on go on a training, hear how it it works, see all the proof that it's worked for other people, and say yes, I'm going to do it, but still not really believe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you believed it enough to be. I'm not going to go back to work. Um, but yeah, until you actually do that first. So talk me through that very first deal then. 100% angel financed. You sourced the deal. Uh, well, talk me through the process. Like at what point did you get angel first or deal first? Because again, lots of people think, do I need to get the angel investor first or do I get the deal first? Talk us through what, how you did it. Yeah, well, I think we, we started everything in parallel. You know, one hand, we're talking to as many people about, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we plan to do. And now uh, we begin to uh, we're begin to look into Rightmove and Zupa as well. So we found the deal, and uh, we, we found the deal first before we found, found the, the funds for it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we found the deal, and then we just we started talking to people, um, and you know, like so. I think one of the people that funded us was um, an ex colleague. It was an ex colleague actually, um, and just saying you know this is what we want to do this is what it, and he was actually quite a sophisticated investor but um you know and you know he asked us all the questions and we passed the, the you know we passed the test <laughs> um yeah so that was that was quite you know it was quite intense but at least then we could actually put our thoughts together and explain what we were going to do with the property why we believe the numbers worked and you know talking him through that process and yeah so i think that was our first real you know real challenge in terms yeah. of and was a good one yeah i reckon being able to that that's that's what's been a key part of um a success in raising into finance being able to talk through people um through talk people through the process and yeah. the key thing that a lot of people are interested in how do i get my money back <laughs> <laughs> funny that yeah it's funny that. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is very understandable. So being able to articulate that clearly as a client, I, I think is um, it's one of the things that's really helped us. Yeah, yeah. I think it is speaking with that gravitas that you know what you're doing is, is a big, a big uh, thing. What would you say to someone who is um, still got that mental block behind the raising money element? Because you had the mental block. You were told money is going to be your least limiting factor. We drummed that into your heads. You still didn't believe it. <laughs> and now it's happened. What, you know, that first process you went through has obviously helped. But what would you say to someone who's still got that mental block? How would they help themselves to, to overcome that, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I mean, what I would say to someone just starting out is to be prepared to receive a lot of notes. <laughs> That, that, that's the thing, and uh, I think it was one of the things you uh, spoke about at the training. Um, 
is it a book about go for no? I think you mentioned that. So that's the first thing um, that the first person or the second person might not say yes to you, but you just must keep going. And the more people you talk to, the easier the conversation becomes. And sometimes it's just a numbers game. And sometimes it might just be honing in on a pool of people who are starting with a pool of people uh, that you know, trust in you and believe in you anyway. So family and friends. Yeah. And from there, broadening uh, the people you speak to. And then one of the one of the sort of strategy that um, that we had had at the session was sort of you know like you do your um, loan document, your personal finance uh, document, um, uh, and actually having people review it without any pressure of anything. Just say, can you have a look? Because that's how we sort of started with the first person. Can you just have a look? And then you know you then after they've read it, they've sort of read it independently without any you know no strings attached. And then when you start to talk about the question, when you when you bring deal to them yeah. you're then able to talk through that process and they understand where you're going and you know so that that helped anyway in that particular scenario that sort of helped and um, helped us in that um, and the key bit as well is you know when you get the nose don't take it personal yeah. um, you know it, of course it's hard sometimes especially if it's yeah. somebody that you sort of think why wouldn't you help me <laughs> but it's, it's just really saying that you are adding value you're, you're going to be giving them something back so you're not asking them oh just come and give me your money and you know whatever happens happens like you've got a sense of responsibility about their money and you're also going to give them a return from it better than what they would get in you know in, in any sort of bank or in most places yeah. Yeah, it's a win-win and it, it gets to the point where you're actually in a position to help people that you love and care about or friends and colleagues um, as you go. And like you said me earlier was you might get a no initially, but then six months later, yeah, they, they come back around, right? Yeah, exactly. Because even for the people that say no to you, what you need to understand is you've sown a seed, so to speak. You know, you've sown a seed and that seed could germinate and eventually bring forth uh, the right fruit at the right time. So uh, for people who say no, just thank them and try to, like Lula said, don't take it personal. Um, maintain a good uh, relationship with them. Don't talk to them about it again unless they ask. And um, yeah, at the right time. Okay. Uh, so you've got the money sussed. Finding money is not an issue now, right? You've got you've got enough of a pool of people that see what you do. Um, the deals. So Nii, it really falls on your shoulders to be sourcing deals for your business. What techniques or, or um, tactics have you used that you found are really good to find deals? Are you, are you finding them just on, on right move all the time? Or are you you're getting out there and finding off-market deals? Talk us through how you're going through that process. Yeah, so it's been a, a combination of all the different strategies of finding deals, whether it's direct-to-vendor, you know, we bought at auction, <laughs> well, which I, I think I was... <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had a big move for us. It took us two years to, to summon up the courage to be able to buy something off at auction. But we saw the opportunity. I just thought, okay, actually, that is a great opportunity. And we, we went for it. 
so um, yeah, we do the uh, look at the portals, right? Most Zooplab on the market, ESPC, and um, done direct vendors, you know, the letter. Right. No, I'm still hoping we can get <laughs> get a deal from that. But that, that hasn't been successful. And also, uh, what was interesting that the first deal that we did, um, we had gone to. We always try to talk to the neighbors after we pick up the keys. That oh, we just got the property next door. Mm. Um, we're apologizing in advance. There might be you know, a lot of noise because we are planning on refurbishing it. Um, and after it's done, we generally take them back to look okay. at this product. Great. And the very first deal we, we, we did, we had, done, uh, we had gone to say hello to the neighbor, uh, as I put it, and she was really blown away seeing how transformed the property had been. Um, we just used the opportunity to say to her, well, this is what we do. If yeah. you know of anyone who is looking to sell the property, um, yeah, we'll be interested in it and we'll actually even uh, pay you a referral fee for that. Uh, lo and behold, maybe about six or nine months later, we got a text from this lady that, oh, there's actually someone that she knows uh, that has a three-bed house they're looking to sell. Would I be interested? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I did the, did the one and a half hours drive, went there, met with the gentleman, I think the property had been lying empty for about two years because mm -hmm. we were trying to sort out some issues and yeah, had a chat. Um, we couldn't agree uh, bigger uh, on the numbers, uh, on our numbers. So we kind of walked away. Okay. Uh, but about three to four weeks later, the man sent me a text that, am I still interested? <laughs> And, and that's how we got. <laughs> that's how we got that deal. So that was a straight off market deal. That that was a fantastic deal. And also, yeah, I've gotten gotten deals uh, from the estate agents as well. From the estate agents as well. We've had uh, what the, our very first conversion was sourced to us was off market by an estate agent that was local, so didn't realize the value of the, of the yeah, property. That, that was, um, yeah. yeah. Right, but the the listing was was um, in Glasgow or something. Yeah, and then, yeah. It was, no, no, they didn't even list list it. On no, the no, they wasn't listed. Yeah, yeah. They it was, uh, you know, the uh, vendor. Was yeah, the vendor brought it to them, and we had a relationship with the estate So, um, came to view <laughs> from the board, came to view it, and we were able to lock it down before it. You saw the light of the, <laughs> the I love that. So we talk about other people's money, other people's knowledge, but this is other people's ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. I love that. So talk me through the auction because interestingly, when people first start out, they think going to auction is the best place to get deals. Yeah. But it's probably because they watch Homes Under the Hammer. But it is a really <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much of me. People comes in the hammer, right? Uh, but it is quite a dangerous place to go yeah. when you first start, right? So yeah. it took you two years to pluck up the courage. So talk us through the auction uh, process that you went through there. How did you get on with that? Because it is completely the opposite to what you do normally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I, I reckon we've always thought about buying an auction, but yeah. Yeah, I've been to a couple and um, yeah, I've just gone to watch because we recognize the danger. I think it had been said on one of the trainings that 
the best way to lose your money is to go and buy <laughs> and you shouldn't yeah if you don't know what you're doing and if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap but you just don't know how to do it then building an airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for right now in the uk there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. Um, but I think part of the training, um, I'm not sure which training it was, but basically we had learned about the things you needed to do when you're at doctor, you know, like standing at the back, you know, yeah. don't, don't get in too early when the bidding starts. Yeah. Don't, don't go into bidding walk. <laughs> you know, have your max number before you even go into, into the auction. Yeah. And um, also just ensuring in terms of due doing due diligence, diligence yeah. on the legal pack, on the paperwork, getting your solicitor to look for it, ensuring you have... Um, um, finance in place or at least a bridging ready to go yeah uh, so yeah for this particular deal I, I mean we, we live in Edinburgh and we invest in Edinburgh as well and as you so we'll know finding deals in Edinburgh is, is <laughs> yeah is uh is a challenge, <laughs> it's a challenge. uh but we, we've seen this um on uh on I think it was right mode and the asking price for a two-bed property in Edinburgh at sixty thousand, you know, <laughs> like, because in, in Edinburgh, typical uh, uh, property prices for even for one bed flat it starts from about hundred thousand. You know, if you put in put in, uh, uh, if you set a maximum price of eighty thousand and you're setting in Edinburgh. Probably maybe it's garages and, and storage yeah. <laughs> spaces that that come up. So seeing a two bed flat for sixty k, I was like, okay, yeah, I need to get this. I need to get my hands on this. So we requested the legal pack and sent it to the solicitors. You had to look over, and um, we, went, we went to viewing. They did an open viewing back in the day when open viewing was still a thing before before COVID nineteen struck, yeah. and we went to went to the property uh, as you'd expect the, the place was packed there there were quite a number of people who had come to view so yeah they said the uh, auction date and interestingly the auction for some strange reason uh, it was an auction house i was in darai in north asia one and a half hours away so what i said to myself is i'm going to bring that baby back home <laughs> 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 so auction day, yeah, went 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 there. Uh, they started with I think it was probably second to the last the auction. They started, um, and when when they called called the uh, called the lot called the lot number, um, 
think the auctioneer asked for 140. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's a bit different from the 60, right? <laughs> <laughs> from 60. And uh, well, no, no one said anything. So interestingly, I it begins to work me thought, but I just said, okay, I'm going to start you at 40. <laughs> just dismissed. Because <laughs> I figured, okay, at least if we started, uh, if we start the bid at uh, 20,000 below the asking, then at least, you know, you reduce the number of bids uh, where it will eventually get to. So we started at 40 and then started inching up. Um, and I just stayed out until it got to 75 and then to 80. And then people started, you know, uh, falling out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think towards the end, uh, there were probably about three people. And then it was, that's when I came in. And it was just me and myself and a telephone beater. And uh, so someone beating on the telephone. And it kept beating up. 500, 250, and then at the end, just as it was coming to the uh, target I'd said, the guy pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> so that was incredible, but an interesting part of uh, the story that I actually didn't see coming, you know, for auction properties, once the hammer falls, you are going to have to, you pay 10% of the profit, yeah. and then you complete within, um, 28 days. Yeah. However, I don't know whether Solicitor missed it or, or I missed it as well. Anyway, when we looked at the papers after the, after the Ahmad <laughs> calling, we had to complete within 14 days. <laughs> For- <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't funny at the time. <laughs> we are laughing, but it wasn't funny at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't. So uh, it was a massive scramble for uh, to get the finance in place. Oh, yeah. But thankfully, um, our finance partner, uh, Together Finance, they came through for us and, mm-hmm. and our solicitor as well were just uh, really fantastic. They were able to turn, I mean, purchasing the property within two weeks, they didn't think that there was something that could happen. So, but yeah, uh, made it happen. And um, yeah, it was a good one. The property was in a terrible state, terrible, yeah, terrible yeah. state, uh, you know, but yeah, it's now a lovely, lovely home to, to a family. And, and you uh, brought that baby home. You said you were going to bring that baby home, and you brought the baby home. <laughs> how, how, was the, how was the adrenaline? How was the adrenaline at the time? <laughs> One hundred and ten percent pumping. One hundred and ten percent. Yeah, it was a mixture of you know excitement and fear and anxiety and uh, uh, yeah, it was it was intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not for this. It's not for the faint-hearted. Is auctions, oh, is it? Oh no, it's not. It's not. It's good. It's good. That's that's a great story. The fact that it started at forty and then creeps up. So, just out of interest, what was your max price that you would have paid? Well, I, I figured um, a typical to bed uh, flat in Edinburgh would go for hundred thousand. So, but of course, because it was in a bad state, I just kind of pegged it at ninety. So I eventually got it at 8500 Brilliant. So Early. you didn't need to go to your top? No, no. Good, good. All right. So when you're not 
an adrenaline junkie in the auction room. You're following the process, the system of finding the deals, raising the money, and your projects at the moment are mainly these conversions. You talked about changing one bed to two beds, and now you're just about to complete on one that's a two bed to a three bed. Yeah, yeah that's correct. And the exits on those are your your two exits, I guess. Is it, is it flipping and keeping by to let or? Yeah, so those are the exits we had. I think the second one we did uh, last year, uh, we had actually planned to use that as an essay, as a uh, service recommendation, I think, um, in Edinburgh, to, uh, close to the city centre. So we thought, okay, yeah. we're going to do that. But uh, some strange reason, we kind of struggled with getting uh, a mortgage uh, on it, getting a holiday mortgage. Okay. Um, so we thought, you know what, yeah, we'll just need to consider consider a second exit. Yeah. Which is, the, which is the way the point about the two exits really, you know, it's yeah. really important very, very, very because important. whilst your first exit might, you know, tick all the boxes really works, it's, you know, but if, if for whatever reason it doesn't quite work as you expect, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, then your second exit still gives you a way out of, of that yeah. deal, which was really quite good. Yeah. And that, that really is the difference between how the, the amateurs and the professionals operate, isn't it? Whatever curveball comes your way, be it lending or legislation changes or whatever, you've still got a way to make that deal stack up. So service accommodation in Edinburgh, great strategy if there's not a global pandemic going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, we were actually really we very thankful. Yeah. yeah, very thankful uh, that. Where you, yeah, we, we didn't go down that road eventually for just the timing because we had completed on it just by March 2020. That's mm. when we were ready to go, and then that struck. Uh, I'm still mad. We, we, we yeah, went through the second exit, we sold it at the height of the pandemic. So. I mean, look, you, you you can always go back to service accommodation when the lending eases, right? Commercial lending on it for holiday lets. Mm -hmm. it's, it's there as another option for you to go back to uh, later on and that's the beauty of having those multiple exits when you've got it mm -hmm. so you've also helped um some friends and families find deals they've been sniffing around what you've been doing and they're they're curious and that that tends to happen doesn't it like what's this that you're doing how come you're not in a job me what are you doing yeah, um, yeah so it's quite in one. <laughs> uh, and and they're now saying well we'd like to do a bit of this as well how did uh, how did you work around that with them so yeah so i think um obviously people have looked at me and just you know wondered how you've managed to survive three years without you know holding down a typical job um but it is seen that actually Getting to a point, I think obviously, and the pandemic really did help in that as well. That it opens up people's minds to the fact that you do need another source of income other than your your regular job. Because what happens if anything happens to that? What what else have you got going? Um, and I know people have different investments, but not all investments are stable. You know, some are really quite fluid. You know, very risky in in um, economies like this. So. People are there asking about trying to grow their own portfolio, just having something on the side for them as well. They aren't quite ready to do it full time, but, you know, if they can start to buy one or two properties and add to their pension pot with that, you know, just to have something else. 
um, yeah. and we sort of reached out and started that journey. And we've had two two families that we've um, sort of worked with to to help them secure their own properties and you know start that process for them. Yeah, and I think one of the key takeaways for us from the training as well as just the power of social media and how you can use that uh, to leverage um, you know, your, your property, uh, people's exposure to your to what you're doing yeah, in your yeah. property business. Because prior to that, we just really just use social media for you know reaching out to friends and all. But using it as a platform to show people the deals we're doing, the progress we're doing, the challenges we're facing, and a bit of the successes we're having just really, it gave people an opportunity, uh, it gave them an insight into what we're doing and they could see that, okay, the first deal, the second deal, the third deal, yeah. dozen <laughs> deals. <laughs> you know. <15> deals. <laughs> <laughs> even during the pandemic, <laughs> even, during, even during the pandemic, that that, that didn't stop. So um, yeah, that that's number one. Probably give them give them confidence that at least it's maybe we knew a thing or two about this. And then secondly, well, um, people could could help them. Yeah. So you've monetized your skill of finding deals and doing the deal analysis, and you've now monetized that skill. So that's when you really start becoming a true entrepreneur. Oh when you can take something that you're doing for yourself and then charge that for someone someone else it's a win-win they're getting something from you you're doing, you're doing anything you're doing it already in your business uh, and you're monetizing that as well is that just something that, as a sideline do you think for your business or something that you might go more heavily into the sourcing side of things for other people yeah i think it's something we might go heavily into because like you said it's a win-win and it just provides that uh, bit of satisfaction as well. Apart from the, the financial rewards of it, being able to help someone get get on the ladder, either for themselves or as an investment, without them having to do all the heavy lifting. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, good thing that we're looking to do more of it. So you've got your conversions going, you're looking at potentially sourcing, and we always talk about your, you know, people's why, why they do it. And you've gone through an incredible three years with challenges, highs and lows, adrenaline rushes and panic and stress and anxiety, <laughs> which is basically the life of a property investor, right? Okay. Um, what is it that keeps you going? What's your why that just keeps keeps that that turning for you? Yeah, um, I think personally, uh, our faith is something that's uh, really, really kept us going. In fact, is what what part of what helped us to take the decision in, in the first place, and uh, and also what sustained us and through the pandemic, and just uh, having belief beyond yourself. Um, yeah, we're Christians, so we believe in God and. We invite him into our business. Uh, we invite him into our personal lives, and we always find comfort and counsel um, in, in him. In terms of our why, is our kids, uh, our children are uh, amazing. <laughs> they're the fundamental. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the fundamental uh, um, uh, reason why we 
done what we've done so far because we want wanted to be able to give them a choice. Uh, we also wanted to be able to uh, give them a legacy. Uh, back where we come from in, in Nigeria, in terms of uh, career options, there are certain career paths that parents want their children to go because, of course, they are the most lucrative related in banking or uh, in medicine, in the oil sector. No. But coming here and seeing people pursue their passions, whether as chefs or musicians and all, it, it, that in itself was just a, um, a mind opener. And for, for us, we just thought, you know what, we want to be able to give our children a choice to pursue whatever career uh, path, path they want, uh, whatever they have a passion for, uh, and not be limited by finances, uh, not be limited by, oh, is that going to pay the bills? Because if you got if that's settled, then they can go on. Well, just give them wings to fly already. They can go on to become whatever they want to be, whoever they want to become, whatever um, uh, career or business they want to to run, without being constrained by um, finances. That's incredible, and I think that is well. People put property and money together hand in hand and think, oh, you know, we're capitalists, we're, you know, we're all about the money. It's actually, it, it doesn't need to be all about that. It, it's all about choices. Property is just the vehicle. It's the vehicle that's going to lead to to those choices for sure. I guess the, the beauty about property as well is even though our why is, you know, our family and our kids, um, you sort of see the benefits to to beyond yourself, like you see the benefits to um, the families you move into homes when you renovate homes that are being empty, like the one we're in the middle of doing has been empty for over three, four years. Over three years. Over three years. Yeah. But you bring that back into use, you're helping the community in that in that respect. And then you have the trades that are connected to us, the you know, their families as well. And then you have um, the, the private lenders as well. You've got, you know, the additional income you're giving them to do whatever they want to do with it. You know, so it's just you start to see the benefit trickle all around you that, you know, it then it just makes it makes it it gives you a very good yeah, very no, satisfying. Yeah, no, it creates creates a, a, an intrinsic satisfaction, no, no doubt, to be able to impact different people, you know, beyond yourself, beyond your why. Uh we all know in the UK that there's a housing shortage and uh part of our uh uh uh, uh, uh a desire, a motivation is to be able to contribute yeah, to, to, to tackling the, the housing shortage, even if it's one family at a time. And having done uh, almost 15 projects now, that's 15 families. Even though, yeah, it's still a, <laughs> a, a big number, you know, thousands of people that are looking for homes, but in our own little way, being able to contribute to addressing that crisis uh, you know, gives a, a great deal of satisfaction and like Elizabeth said being able to contribute to the local economy whether mm -hmm. it's employing the professionals whether it's the trades um whether it's even simply buying the materials because you know the amount that we've spent over the last three years that has gone into the economy it's part yeah. of I just think yeah we are doing our bit to to, to sustain the, the economy <laughs> 
Absolutely. You're creating a little mini economy for yourselves, right? Just there and it spreads out. Absolutely. Brilliant. Exactly. Well, well, yeah. Well, private, private lenders as well. Just being able to, you know, they can continue with their work. They're still earning their pay and they don't have to take any more time out of that to generate additional income for themselves and for their families. Yeah. You know, it's really incredible. Brilliant. I, I'm very excited to see where this goes for you two. You're only three years in and you've achieved incredible amounts in that time. And you've you've taught yourselves that it, it does actually work, even though you might not have believed it 100%, particularly with the money side. But you're doing an incredible job. And I, I'm so grateful for you to come along and share it with our listeners and our viewers um, so that they can see that very much ordinary people can do incredible things in uh, property. And I hope you continue to enjoy it as much as you look like you're enjoying it. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks so much. And, yeah, thank uh, you for yeah. having us. <laughs> thanks for having us. It's been an incredible journey. And um, yeah, thank you uh, for, for lighting <laughs> the bulb. You know, yeah, lighting the bulb and lighting the fire uh, three years ago. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, it was life changing, I would say. Yeah. Well, it was a big pleasure and I'm sure everyone will want to reach out to you and connect with you. Um, so uh, by by joining the Property Wealth System community, me and Elizabeth are in there. You can connect with them there. They're on social media. We'll put the handles under um, uh, on the podcast um, and uh, on the video as well. So uh, they can reach out to you and find you if they're wanting to hear more about what you do. Maybe they want to invest in you or find deals for you. I'm sure they will, will connect with you. So thank you very much for your time. Have a great day and we'll speak to you very, very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Caroline. Thank Thanks. Bye. I'm sure you'll agree that was a brilliant episode from Nee and Elizabeth. I love how they took the bold step of just going full on into property without having even bought one. Um, and their drive and determination to create choices for their children's future is such a beautiful, softer side of what's behind uh, their motivations to get uh, into property. Love the story of the, the buying at auction and the, all the emotions that go with uh, purchasing at, uh, at an auction house uh, and the pressure that you feel there. But the fact that they put themselves under so much pressure by just going full time into property before they'd even started demonstrates the strength of their character, their belief in the system that they'd learned um, and how they're going from strength to strength and they're just constantly improving and developing their business uh, and growing. Of course, you can contact me and Elizabeth and any other of our like-minded investors within the Property Wealth System Facebook community page. Um, and you can also find them on Instagram. We look forward to bringing you some more great content, uh, content in the future.